it's great to be with you today. Today we're going to be carrying on the series that we have been doing over the last month on worship. As you can see, it's going to be a tag team, and Katie and myself. Now, I just shared well over a month ago about what he called the, the vineyard person. You can see the image there. And you can see that one of its legs is worship, the other is compassion. And these are some of the key values that underpin who we are as followers of Jesus within the vineyard movement. And today we're going to be looking at this idea of kingdom expectations, seeing the kingdom of God come. Now, what do we mean by that? In the Gospel of Mark in the New Testament, Jesus says, The time promised by God has come at last. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Now today I'm going to be referring quite a lot to this book called Enthroned by David Fritch. Um, he says it so much better than I can. So some of the words that you'll hear are my own and, and some of them are his. Where we can, we'll put it in quotation marks for you. The arrival of the kingdom of God is the gospel that Jesus preached. He said that it was still coming and we must seek it out. But what is the kingdom of God? And what does it have to do with worship? Unless mo unlike most explanations, the end, and not the beginning, is a really good place to start. In the book of Revelation, at the end of the Bible, we're presented with a vision of the future that God has guaranteed. Those whom King Jesus saves are brought into a city, illuminated by the very presence of God. There's no pain, sickness or death. No slavery, wars, earthquakes, famine or flood. There is joy and peace. When we think about what king, God's kingdom might look like, let me paint you a picture. This is what I think about when I think of the kingdom. What is the kingdom? What does it look like? Its backs healed, mental health restored, cancer gone forever, infertility reversed, no fear for the future, plentiful resources, wise stewardship of the earth and humble leadership. In the kingdom of God, there is no fear, no shame, no bitterness. There's an end to selfishness helplessness, hunger, poverty and loneliness. The kingdom of God looks like courage, self-acceptance, forgiveness, preferring others, abundance, healed marriages, joyful parenting, lasting peace. This is the kingdom. Wow. Let's, I, I feel like we should just pause there. You know, just as you describe the kingdom, I, I get excited i begin to get expectant and i think that's partly why jesus asked us to pray the lord's prayer your kingdom come your will be done let's just let's just do that right now god when we just read through that that list lord it brings excitement to my heart god and uh, i do just pray lord that your kingdom will come right now in this place lord wherever we are listening in to this talk god we just say we welcome you into that place to heal, to restore, to change, to bring it into alignment with what is there in heaven. Amen. And so as Katie shares those things and the, the reality of what the kingdom of God is like and should be like, we're very aware of the kind of the, the tension that there is in relation to what we see in reality. 
And the Bible talks about this kind of battle between two kingdoms. And we see the desired kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, but yet we see what is around us. And there's this kind of constant tension that we will see ultimately only fulfilled when Jesus returns again. And we read about that in Revelation, where people of every tongue and tribe and nation being there, where we hear the story that there will be no more tears and no more death. But yet at the same time, we are living in this period of time now. And we seek and see the reality of that kingdom break through. And worship is at the very centre of that, of seeing this kingdom reality come to bear. And so what does that mean? What does it look like? And we're going to be looking at this on three levels. Firstly, the worship, of, worship is seeing the kingdom of God become a living reality in our lives. You see, we talk about this kingdom of the battle, but at the same time, there's often a battle going on within us and we have to make choices. David Ruse, a worship leader from Canada, said, the only true expression of worship is through the abandonment of all our agendas for his. See, worship is when we put Christ back in charge of our lives. To use a phrase, you know, we enthrone him in our lives. We say, God, we want you to be in charge of our lives. Just like that first decision that we made when we chose to follow Jesus, when we said, Jesus be in charge of our life is a choice and decision that we have to keep making day by day. Now for some of you, as I say this phrase, it might be the first time you heard that. Maybe you're listening, you might have been listening today for the first time for a number of weeks. And you haven't thought about this idea of Jesus being in charge of your life. And there's an opportunity and an invitation today to say yes. Jesus, I want to be in charge of my life. But even if you said that, maybe last week, maybe like me when I was five, which is, let's say, slightly over 40 years ago, I still have that choice of saying, Jesus, I want you to be in charge of my life. And that in itself is an act of worship. I think so often we think of worship as just songs, but it's this position and choice of our lives to do that. As it's so well put in in Romans chapter 12. Um, if you listened to the talk last week, Tez read from the message translation. And I'm going to read again Romans 12 verses 1 to 2. So here is what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Just this idea that our everyday, ordinary aspects of life, when we give them over to God, when we do them for God, this is an act of worship. And so we have to make those choices. I don't know what your day looks like for you. Even just looking into the rest of today, whenever you're listening to this. Might be cooking a meal, might be going out for a walk in the afternoon, maybe you've got some work to do. Maybe you're hoping to see some people. But every aspect of our life can be an act of worship unto God if we do it as a choice and decision. And as I've been preparing for this talk, those who know me know I like to ask questions. And so I've been thinking, what's God challenging me? What areas of my ordinary life, my everyday life, do I need to give over to him? And say, God, I invite you, be in charge, be Lord. And I want this act this thing that i'm doing however simple it may be it might be uh yesterday i was doing a bit of ironing katie knows i hate ironing but i'd managed to get the clothing left it in the dryer too long and i thought you know what i hate doing this but i'm just going to do it partly just to honor katie 
But also I want to do this as an act of worship to God. Anything can be done as an act of worship to God. And we have to make that choice. And there is sometimes a cost. There's a well-known verse in, uh, that David refers to in the, in the Bible where he says, I will not give to God what will cost me nothing. This idea that worship involves a cost. In Hebrews 13, uh, the author says that we should bring sacrifices of praise. This idea of choices and costs. And so as we just take a moment right now, just begin to say to God, what are you calling, inviting me to offer? What part of my everyday life as a sacrifice of praise, as an actual worship to him? So this worship, this battle firstly starts in us. Secondly, worship and praise creates a kingdom expectation in us. And so I'm just going to hand over to Katie um, for that. Yes, David Fritch in his book Enthroned says, Praise reminds us of the goodness and faithfulness of the Lord, which creates a hopeful expectation for God to do it again. I was thinking about that song we sometimes sing, um, uh, I've seen you move the mountains, I'll see you do it again. Where there was no way, you've made a way. I believe, I'll see you do it again. And that, that exactly sort of puts into words uh, what we're talking about this morning. So why is praise so powerful? Praise is a conscious decision to take our eyes off our obstacles or inward voices of intimidation to focus on the Lord. Whatever you focus on, grows bigger in your mind. Psalm 34 verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. When we praise God, our view of God expands. In Hebrew, the word for magnify literally means to nourish up, to feed up. When we praise God, we nourish or, or feed our view of him. And when our view of God gets bigger than our problems, we will experience breakthrough. Faith is the overflow of praise. And faith is how the kingdom of God advances on the earth. David Fitch also says, Fritch, sorry, also says this. Through praise, God turns our attentions heavenward. To see as he sees and to know as he knows. When we see him, it awakens childlike optimism that Jesus is good enough and big enough to take over the whole wide world. I know I've said it before, but one of my favourite old hymns is the one about fixing your eyes upon Jesus. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And as we fix our eyes on God and our minds and our hearts are expanded um, by focusing on him and his goodness, then the things that are troubling us on this earth, they don't go away, but they seem less important. And so let's just again just pause because it's easy just to rush off. But I know with Katie, often when I'm running prayer events, I start off with 
what I call up songs. These are songs that help me just focus in on the nature of God, that focus in on his attributes, you know, how great is our God. Because as I begin to sing those songs, I find that faith and expectation begins to be unleashed in me. Often I'm dealing and I'm praying for countries like uh, Somalia, Afghanistan. I could go for a list of different countries. Countries that in the natural, when we look at them, they can be feel quite overwhelming and intimidating. And then you can apply this to different situations. That might seem a little big for you, but sometimes in my role as just trying to be a, a, a dad, you know, I, I find it sometimes a bit yeah, <laughs> difficult and I feel like overwhelmed and it's easy for me to kind of come into that place feeling overwhelmed but as I begin my day and I seek to start my day and I tend to try to do it beginning of the day just in worship and praise reminding myself of who God is or what he is capable of what he is saying over me it begins to release faith and expectation in me uh, a writer called F.B. Myers says when God occupies the whole vision then faith thrives and that's what worship does. Worship helps us to allow God to occupy the whole of our vision and perspective so that we begin to see things and live from a place of God being in charge. So again, let's not just rush on. Let's just pause. Normally, if I was doing this in person, I would say to people, yell out some of the nature and attributes and characters of God. Well, we can't do that. So I'm just going to give you a moment in your little, you know, in the chat box, just begin to write down some of the attributes and characters of God. And I encourage you as you write those, speak those out. There is a power, the Bible says, in the tongue. As we sing, as we speak out the truth of who God is, it begins to bring our hearts and our minds into alignment with that truth. Yeah, I, I experienced that the other day. Um, when I was reading reading the psalm for for a previous service, um, and since then I've been trying to do it more on my own, that I, I wasn't actually in a very good place. But as I started reading, I just felt my spirit lift, and as I reminded myself, um, which is what the psalm was doing, of what God had done in the past, my faith just rose, and I, I remembered who he was, and I remembered that he was able and it gave me fresh hope and expectation for the day. It, it really does work. So yeah, if you put your um, words in the chat box now, just characteristics of God that uh, you love um, and things that you've seen him do. Brilliant, and I'd encourage you to do this. This is meant to be a, a, a lifestyle and I'm trying to do this more and more going to rearrange my life in such a way that I remind myself of who God is and worship and praise is a great way of doing it. So as I said when it comes to worship and kingdom expectations and seeing the reality of the kingdom of God come in our lives firstly it's something that we have to do for ourselves as a living sacrifice as an act of worship to God and secondly as we worship for ourselves it begins to create an aspect of expectation in our hearts but there's also an aspect of worship and praise that doesn't just just change us it begins to change the environment around us worship and praise changes things as we just give our focus to god i don't know exactly know how they do it but i know often in places where there is 
uh, a drought or there's fire that they send planes up and somehow they, they, they call it seeding the clouds so that it rains. It changes the atmosphere. It releases something. And praise and worship does that. There's a number of stories, and I'm just going to quickly go through some stories uh, in the Bible. The kind of key verse is Psalm 22, verse 3, where it just talks about God being enthroned on the praises of Israel. I'm old enough to remember this song that as I worship, as I praise, we build a throne. And I used to find that quite strange, strange concept. But it's a reality that as we praise God in situations, it builds a throne and it's kind of having a throne and it's saying, God, come and reign in that situation, in that place. It changes things. You know, for example, is the story of, of Jericho that we find in the book of Joshua. And uh, Jericho is this place. It was a city. It was fortified. And as the Israelites went around worshipping and praising, the walls collapsed. And it changed things. One of my favorite stories we find in Acts chapter 16. And um, we have this story of um, Paul and I think it's Silas. I'm trying to remember. Was it Barnabas? Anyhow, Paul was with somebody in prison. And uh, just as they were encircled, but just as they were praising and worshiping, there's this great phrase where it said, suddenly the foundations were shaken and the chains fell off. And the Philippi jailer gave his life to Jesus. And one of the things is we worship and praise, you suddenly get suddenlies. And maybe you're in this life and you're in a situation and you feel like you're in a prison. As we begin to worship and praise, suddenlies begin to happen. Foundations begin to change. Things that you think that this was never going to change as we praise and worship, they begin to change. And our chains fell off, fall off. And maybe again, that might be for you. Again, that might be, a, you'd be looking at that on a family level. Maybe there's something in your family that you just feel like is entrapped, chained up by unbelief and lies or, or stars are doing things. But as you begin to praise and worship, things change. It might be your workplace. Fill in the gap however you want. But there is a power in praise and worship that changes things. It brings transformation. It brings healing. Again, a story of David where he worked for this guy, King Saul. And we're told that Saul was tormented by a demon. And it said that when David worshipped and praised, he was calmed. The act of what David did affected somebody else. And it's the same as we worship and praise. Katie shared about how it affects us, but as we worship and praise, it begins to affect the souls in our life. It begins to affect the, the, the rest of the prisoners in our lives. It begins to affect our neighborhoods, the prison jailer in our life. There's praise. It changes things. It heals. It restores. A simple example of this is uh, my nose has been broken twice in my life. And both times. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> both times with my boy just wrestling. I remember the first time it broke. It was slightly crooked. And um, I mean, it wasn't really painful, but it was kind of slightly crooked. And I remember going to a worship service, and just as I was worshipping, I suddenly felt my nose kind of going backwards and forth, and click. It went back into place. I wasn't being prayed for, for healing, but in that place of worship and praise, things changed. 
And so that's why it's so important. And as we have this mindset, as we begin to realize that as we praise and we worship, we change, we change atmospheres, we change situations around us. I don't know about you, even as I'm speaking, I think I'm getting a bit more loud and faster. It gets me excited. Because I can go into any situation and knowing that as I focus on God, as I praise and worship, it's like me saying, God, come and impact and change this area. It's like a we are thrown in. It's like a welcome invitation. It's like we're opening the doors and saying, come in, God, to this situation. When the most natural reaction for us might be to complain or criticize or be intimidated by fear or worry. Praise and worship goes in a total opposite spirit and it releases something. That's why sometimes it's described as a, as a weapon. Particularly praise is described as a weapon because that is what we are unleashing. And so as we go into this day, maybe if you're just enjoying this time and you're beginning to look into your day, looking into your week, you're becoming aware again of certain situations and you're going, oh, this is a time more than ever to worship and praise. This one is a sacrifice. It's easy to worship and praise when everything is easy. And so just to conclude, I want us to remind us of that, us of that truth. I want us to go away with increased expectation that we are more than conquerors through Christ. And one of the weapons he helps us to do that is worship and praise. Praise. So now I'm just going to pray and I'm just going to bless us. I'm praying for myself. I'm praying for you. That we would grow individually in our family units, whatever that means. And as a church family in this area. Because we want to see this happen. We want to see the kingdom of God manifest. So God, I just thank you today that you have won. On the cross that you were victorious. But you invite us to participate with you in seeing the reality of the kingdom of God. And all that means to come to bear upon our lives, our neighborhoods, Lord, our communities, our workplaces. And so we say again, let your kingdom come, Lord. We submit to your kingdom. We say more of your kingdom in our lives. More of your kingdom, Lord, be manifest and outworked through our lives, God. And Lord, where we become, Lord, fearful, Lord, where we become, Lord, um, kind of hopeless in our thinking, Lord. I just pray, Lord, let faith arise, Lord, as we worship, as we praise, Lord, as we take steps of faith, Lord, and step out, Lord, and declare the truth of who you are and the reality of who you are and what you've done, God. We say, let things change. Let healings, Lord, be released. Let marriages be uh, restored. Let relationships, Lord, be restored. Let every aspect and sphere and the reality and the joy and the peace that comes to your kingdom, Lord, be released, Lord, into every person's life today. Amen.